This is the Engineering Career Coach Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping engineers succeed in work and life. The show is hosted by engineering enthusiast Anthony Fasano and Chris Knutson. Both are professional engineers who found success early in their careers and now work together to help other engineers do the same. Now it's showtime. Hello, this is Anthony Fasano, and this is the show for engineers who want to succeed in both work and life. At the Engineering Career Coach, we help engineers with core skills training and lifestyle design. We offer a high-powered supplement to your technical association membership and or your engineering education. And that's not kind of a new slogan that we're working because we don't want people to think that what we do replaces that association membership or your engineering education or master's degree, we, we try to help you supplement it and we try to help you build the core skills that will allow you to do whatever you want in your career and design the lifestyle that really works for you. And again, we got all of our resources at engineeringcareercoach.com. All right, in today's episode, I'm, I'm pretty excited to have an author, Rashid Kapodia. And Rashid has a book and a website called uh, Necessary Bridges that focuses around helping engineers speak better, present better. I guess ideate better. And we talk in this episode about public speaking and presentations, but we also get into this idea of getting in the flow and being in the flow when you work, which I think is just a fantastic idea. And he gives you some kind of some tips and strategies for getting yourself into the flow and putting yourself in a atmosphere where you can really succeed. And, and to me, that's what life's all about. If you're not in the right atmosphere, you can only do so much. So I'm excited about the show. We're going to jump right into it here. Before we get into the main segment of our show, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsor for today's episode, PPI. We're really grateful for them for sponsoring. They help us to keep the show free, so please support them if you do have to take an exam coming up. And if you're thinking about taking the FE, PE, or SE exam this year, I highly recommend that you check out PPI, the leader in engineering exam preparation. For a special 15% discount, use the promo code COACH at ppitopass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach. And use the promo code coach at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. All right, so let me give you a quote related to today's topic to bring us into the main segment of the show. The quote is as follows, and the quote is by Rainer Maria Rilke. May what I do flow from me like a river, no forcing and no holding back the way it is with children. So basically just being in the flow and just kind of everything just happens when you're in the flow. And that's what we're going to talk about. So let's jump into the main segment and do it. All right, now it's time for the main segment of today's show. And I'm excited to have with me today, Rashid Kapadia, PMP. He's a speaker, project manager, engineer, consultant, and author. Rashid was born and raised in India. He started his career in the Merchant Navy, where for over 17 years, he progressed from a marine engineering apprentice to a chief engineer. Rashid moved to the U.S. in 1995 to pursue a master's degree in marine management and other advanced marine commercial certifications in chartering an agency. He's been in the U.S. for over 17 years. He's worked for three organizations providing leadership in commercial merchant shipping, chartering and operations, marine and offshore engineering and repair operations, project management, and business development. In 2014, he took a career sabbatical to write a book and polish his public speaking skills. In 2015, along with his wife, he co-founded Necessary Bridges, which is also the name of his book. 
He's a lifelong student and avid reader, constantly looking for new knowledge that he can that can be applied to uplift his profession and solve problems. Everything that Rashid and I talk about today will be summarized in our show notes, along with links to his site and his book at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash Rashid, R-A-S-H-I-D, all lowercase. So with that, I want to welcome Rashid to the show. Welcome. Thank you, Anthony. Appreciate you reaching out and making this happen. It's the pleasure to find someone else who's trying to help engineers and, and project managers with their communication skills, which is, I think, something that you know, is very much needed. I could say that, you know, myself as an engineer who who struggled throughout my career until I really decided to focus a lot on speaking. So I'm, I'm very, very excited to have you with me here today. And for those of you listening, we're going to talk a little bit about Rashid's background in the beginning. He's going to go through a little bit of his background, some insights on public speaking. And also he's going to talk about finding the flow in public speaking, which is one of the chapters in his book. So we're going to really dig into that. So Rashid, why don't you just start off? I mean, I gave you a little bit of an intro, but why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your unusual background? Thanks. Well, Anthony, you've covered it very well, so I'll keep it brief. I'm in my mid-50s, so that gives you some perspective. I see the world quite differently from many youngsters who I believe have far greater opportunities than we've ever had. And if I'm not mistaken, Anthony, you're in that group too. But I'd just like my readers to know that I've been around for a while, for the listeners to know. I've been around for a while, and I may see the world slightly differently from them as a result of that. The engineering world has changed so rapidly that I'm probably obsolete on many fronts before I start. But I have known for many decades what it is to relish engineering and to really come to see it as a profession that allows the expression of human ingenuity probably like nothing else. Probably no profession has converted ideas to really useful products than ours. I did 15 years and sailing on ships and approaching 20 right now in the United States where I have done a vast range of projects and services. Rashid, tell me a little bit about merchant engineering, just because for those listeners not familiar with that industry, just give us a brief summary of what that entails. Okay, I would say a merchant marine. Merchant marine means it's a ship that is used for commercial movement of cargo. And this field over the last two, three decades has exploded too. One way to look at it is a ship is effectively an island that's moving from one place to another. So any engineering product that is required to support life, we have to deal with it. So we become all-rounders. At the heart of it is a very large engine which drives a propeller which moves ships all over the world. But then it's a power plant because there are generating sets for operating the pumps and the lighting and various cargo ancillaries, anchors, etc. There's the normal electrical systems because it's like a hotel. There is a galley. There are refrigerated plants because you have to keep food frozen. So it's a self-contained island. And marine engineers, especially when I started out, Anthony, there was no internet and you had to be extremely resourceful. Communication was very expensive. If there was a problem short of a truly crippling problem, as an engineer, you and your five fellow engineers had to solve the problem. So marine engineering, at least the way it was when I started out, allowed us to become, or rather forced us to become very resourceful. They can say with a string and a grease, we can fix most problems. Of course, that's an exaggeration. Sure. But that's the background that we came from, that you come to learn that there is always a way. You can find a solution to it. And you have to work from first principles as an engineer to quickly get to your solutions. Absolutely. I know that. I know that that is basically the perspective of most engineers. I know that because 
If one of my kids' toys breaks, I'll spend three hours trying to piece the thing together with anything I could find in the house because I'm an engineer and I basically <laughs> want to try to, want to try to fix it. So I think sometimes it's a good perspective. Sometimes it causes us uh, a little bit of stress. But let's talk about public speaking. It's a public speaking is something that I get emails and messages from a lot of listeners, a lot of engineers out there. It's a big pain point for them. However, if they can master public speaking, it can really make you stand out as an engineer. So tell us a little bit about what you see as effective public speaking. Okay, but let me address something. You know, we say that engineers can't speak and it's a pain point. I was never exposed to this until I came to the United States. So it seems in my world and my exposure that this is more of a articulated problem and perhaps not a real problem, but you call something a problem and eventually it becomes a problem. So we may have to just re-evaluate whether engineers really can't speak. Now, that being said, why do I recommend everyone speaks? I almost equate it to good eating habits and good healthy exercising. You can't do anything in life without eating well, resting well, and exercising. I'm saying this on the broadest terms. So no matter what you're doing in engineering, to have a kind of fitness by way of skill and communication and leadership is essential. And I'm astonished, and it's almost my mission that we should take this message and start engineers at the college level. You have to be good at speaking. You have to be good at persuading. You have to be good at cajoling. And once you have a good idea, it is your responsibility to convince others to buy it, to sell it. And the techniques that are required for selling, cajoling, convincing, rhetoric are very different from what we've been trained. So I see many engineers saying, I've had a good idea, and therefore my task is done. Now someone else has to bring it to life. And in doing so, we short ourselves. So if we can see this as a necessary responsibility to own our ideas and communicate them effectively, certainly engineers will be doing themselves a big favor. Another way of looking at it, if you give yourself the indulgence, the luxury of not having to do this, there is a strong chance of mid-career stagnation. And subsequently, that does result in, in more than unhappiness, a sense of being passed over. And I have seen some truly outstanding engineers who won't go beyond a certain point as a result of this mismatch. Does that make any sense, Anthony? Makes a lot of sense. I think you make a great point there. I think that it is, in some respects, a stereotype that engineers have to deal with, that they can't communicate, that they can't speak. And I'm sure that it's certainly common that a lot of engineers can't speak effectively, but it's also common that a lot of other professionals can't speak effectively. So I think it's more of something that's common throughout the professional industries rather than just in the engineering world. I think engineers, again, get that stereotype. I will say, though, that I did a talk once in upstate New York for a group of engineers, a lot of younger engineers and several more experienced engineers. And one of the engineers came up to me afterwards. He was probably in his 60s. And I spoke in my talk about public speaking and getting out there and talking. And he said to me that I wish that somebody would have told me that when I was, you know, in my 20s, because I never took the time to get outside of my cubicle, to get outside of the design world. And I ended up being stuck there for my entire career. And that's something that I kind of regret. So I do think that you can be an effective public speaker, but you need to take the steps to do that. Otherwise, you're going to be focused on your projects and caught in your projects. Absolutely. I'm, I'm so glad to hear this. From what you're saying, we have to view public speaking almost, to use an engineering concept, as a lubricating oil. 
it's not really a part of the engine, but for everything to work smoothly, you have to have lubricating oil in your engines and then everything comes together. There's a remarkable, even a marvelous parallel between looking at public speaking this way and the function of a lubricating oil in a piece of equipment. That's a great analogy. I like that. So that being said, Rashi, let's talk a little bit about improving your public speaking. You're going to talk about the finding the flow in public speaking. Let's dive into that. Okay, so what can engineers do beyond Toastmasters is a question that may come up. And my finding, my feeling is that I don't focus on how you should develop your public speaking skills because I'm convinced that the real trigger, the tripping point is the commitment. And I have found that if an engineer hasn't bought it, that this is something I need to do, like I don't need to eat healthy food, some people still keep eating it, then I'm on a path that is going to be a struggle. So as I'm trying to convince an engineer, I'll give them stories. I'll tell them examples. In fact, now I have this one about your 60-year-old engineer. But I want that switch called a commitment to go off first before I focus on the next steps. What do you mean by that? Explain that a little bit more. Okay, let's say you and me have an engineer who comes up to us and someone has told him that public speaking is a good idea. And he comes to us and he asks, what are the next steps? I want to see, I want to try and judge, even intuitively, whether he really believes that public speaking will help him or not. Or put it differently, is he in compliance mode or is he engaged? Because until a person says, I really want to do this because I recognize that without doing this, I will be shorting myself. And I'm willing to put in the time and the money. It will come down to this in order to make this happen. So there is a starting point where I'm committed to acquiring expertise in this. And I would focus on that. Okay, excellent. No, I agree with you. I think that if someone's going to make change in their life or in their career, they need to be very interested in doing so. They need to understand why it's going to help them. What is their goal in, in making this improvement? So I definitely agree with you because if you're not bought into it, then you could go to as many Toastmaster meetings as you want, or you could read as many books as you want about public speaking. But if you're not mentally into it, then it's, you're not going to improve at all. Yes. So what I would do is if I sense the person isn't yet tuned in, hasn't yet bought in, it's because I would come with a couple of stories. I would be ready because this would be my first. Once they are committed, I believe the hardest part is done. The next step is, and I've put this in, I think, chapter three of my book. In project management, we have something called a project charter, where you harden the parameters. Uh, normally, you should have a sponsor, someone who is with me, who, will, who I be accountable to. So let's say I decide to acquire expertise. For example, there is a young mentee in one of my clubs, and I asked him, just write a project charter. So there we have to have something called a deliverable. At the end of one year, I will have... This manual complete, I will have one keynote speech ready. I will have one work-related presentation ready. I'm willing to put up to 10 hours a month and $100 a month. Harden the parameters, write it down. And there are a lot of words that are specific to this document called a project charter. Try to use as many of those words as possible. This is what I would encourage as a next step. So we are on the same page. Essentially, we are setting goals in a systematic way using certain jargon, so we are both tuned in. And I have taken this approach. I said a mentee has come to me in the book. This was fictional, but I have mentored a lot of people, Anthony. And I say write a project charter because then we both know exactly where we are going. So that would be the second step I would encourage them. How much time and how much money? It's a blunt question. There's this saying, if you really want to know a person's values, you don't have to ask them. You just have to look at their calendar and their checkbook. 
because where we spend our time and where we spend our money is more reflective of our good intentions and goals. I like that a lot. And that makes a lot of sense. If you want to improve yourself, you need to invest in yourself, whether it's time, money to make those changes. So Rashid, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the flow of speaking? Okay. Yes, I'd love to get into that. But I'd also point out on my website, I have written first action item and I have put two sample project charters and so few people use this approach that at least I think it's worth pointing out. It's a direct lift from my book. Okay, excellent. And that's at necessarybridges.com, which we'll link to in the show notes. And I see it right now on your site. It's called the first action item. I think that's a pretty good idea on how to proceed. I've actually put in two project charters, one that I used to write my own book, without which it might not have got done so well. Awesome. Thank you for that. Okay, now flow. Flow is chapter 16, which I believe may be the most valuable or future-looking, future-facing chapter in my book. So let me tell you how I came across it. Or first, what is flow? Flow is a state of mind and body. It's a term used by psychologists. And in that state, two things happen. We perform at our very best and we feel our very best. So I can't think of anything that's a bigger, better winning wicket than this. I mean, to do absolutely the best you can and to feel very good as a result of that is a highly desirable goal. So let's say I'm going on stage to speak. If I'm feeling a little bit nervous, anxious, and which is normal, so be it. But if I'm able to transfer, to transition into a state of flow, all that will pretty much vanish. And I will be completely in the moment. So how did I get introduced to this, Anthony? And if you want, please do step in and stop me. But I watch a lot of TED Talks, and there was a talk by Martin Seligman, who is considered to be the father of positive psychology. And he was talking about various types of happiness. And he says, you know, pleasure is one form and having a purpose in life in one form. But there is another form called mastery. When you're working very hard to achieve something, it is a source of happiness, which is most common at work. He gives an example of a young man who's a multimillionaire, who's a stock options trader. And he says, this person is not capable of good relationships, doesn't get along well with others. But the minute he steps onto the stock market floor, he goes into this zone, into flow, and time goes and he makes the best decisions. And as a result of that, Martin Seligman says, I say to you that he is a happy person too. In that same talk, he refers to another TED talk by someone called Mihai Csikszentmihalyi, a man who's considered to be the godfather of flow. So I read that book and it's called Flow, the Psychology of Optimal Experience. And I knew that I was reading the work of a trailblazer, which came out in the 70s. So it stayed in my mind, but I forgot all about it. I read the book twice, maybe three, four years ago. And then when the Sochi Olympics were taking place in Russia, a CNN host called Farid Zakaria interviewed a couple of people saying, what do you think, who do you think will win? And they were, one of them was the author called Stephen Kotler, who's written a book called The Rise of Superman. And he said, Stephen Kotler was saying, at that level, athletes are all the same. So I will say even public speakers are all the same. I mean, how many more gestures can you have? How much more vocal variety can you have? So the advantage at that point of competition will go to those who are best able to get into flow. And when I heard that, I immediately downloaded the book on my Kindle. And at that point, I realized I was now being introduced to a world. So it seems that there have been a group of extreme sports athletes who have tapped into flow more than anyone else. And they have acquired a mastery. And we have seen 
improvement in performance on an unbelievable scale. I think the highest wave anyone surfed was 125 feet. Now these guys were doing 125 feet. The highest jump was 40 feet on skis or whatever they do for ice. Now it's 140 feet. Rashid, let me ask you this question since you're getting into this a bit. What is the equation for achieving flow? Is there certain things you have to do or have you figured it out? No, but this is very interesting. It's not what you do as much as what you surround yourself with. So towards the end, he says that in order to get into flow, the best thing to do is to surround yourself by something called flow triggers. And anything that captures your attention and draws it on the task at hand is a flow trigger. So if you're in a very risky situation, if someone's coming to attack you, all your attention is captured by that. So effectively, you're in a flow state. You've forgotten about everything else except you're focusing on the task at hand. So he breaks it down into four categories, Anthony. He says there are internal flow triggers, external flow triggers, but the very important one is social triggers. If everyone around you is engaged in flow-generating activities, your odds of going into flow are much higher. And this is what the extreme action athletes did. They surrounded themselves by flow triggers and they kept challenging each other and taking new targets and new goals. And finally, there's one for creativity. So he's identified 17 triggers across four categories. And as I was going through this, I realized that almost every one of these triggers can be made available in public speaking if we focus it that way. So that gives us an excellent opportunity to find flow during public speaking. That's very interesting to me. And we're definitely going to link to that book as well in the show notes. And I've heard of the book before and I've heard very good things about it. But that whole idea that you just went over with the idea of flow and the way you surround yourself, I think is really important for public speaking for any part of your career in life, essentially, because the more you can get into that flow, then the more success you can have. When I say success, I mean, it'll be easier for you to achieve your goals because you're going to be very focused. And I can see the one challenge in today's world is that there are a lot of distractions that can disrupt the flow. And I think for those of you out there that want to be successful as an engineer and achieve these lofty goals, one of the things you're going to have to do is, you know, really try to get into that flow in every aspect of your career, as well as public speaking. Absolutely. There's something called talks at Google, authors at Google, where they come and speak to the Google employees. So Stephen Kotler's talk and his partner's talk is a must-see before you read the book to get a very good one-hour summary of what this is all about. Excellent. We're going to put all those links into this podcast show notes so that everybody listening can access those. But there is more. Let me make one more point, Anthony. There is far more than what you said going on here. For example, Stephen Kotler, before he wrote this book, he had Lyme's disease. And he was essentially, they said, your time is up. You know, we can't do anything else to help you. And he tells the story of how one of his friends just came and said, anyway, your time is up. You just come with us uh, surfing. And he said, what the heck? But when he went surfing, he just, because he had done it for so many times, he dropped into a zone and for a short while, he felt better than he had ever felt before. And then over a six months period, he just kept going back and he kept getting into this zone and it changed his biology. Basically, his immune system was not functioning because it had captured all the, his attention. And as he kept going into this zone, his attention was in somewhere other than his problems. And that allowed the immune system to to heal his body. And it was completely unbelievable to me. 
that we have this way of allowing our immune system to do its work and it doesn't do its work when we're in a state of stress. So if we put our attention on something that makes us feel good, there are benefits far beyond just feeling good and expert performance. It is an optimal state and take it one step further. People are predicting that instead of timesheets, we may soon see flow sheets because that will far more accurately determine whether we did the work that we were supposed to do or not. So it's a very vast field. And public speaking is a great opportunity for us to indulge in it. It makes a lot of sense to me. And one example for me is I know at night I try to wind down. I try to read a little fiction. I try to relax maybe do a little journaling. And I notice that when I get busy, if I don't do those things, I start to get more stress. I don't sleep as well. And everything adds up because you're not putting your body in a state where it can be successful and relaxed uh, primarily so that it can thrive essentially in the rest of the day. And I think that that's something that we really need to understand. Just like that example that you gave with the surfing is that his body was in a state of total relaxation, total flow, that it just healed itself and it kept itself in a good state. So I think that there's a lot to take out of that. I appreciate that. Rashid, is there any other points that you want to share with the listeners before we wrap up? Uh, yes, this is actually excellent what you have said, because part of the flow cycle, when you see the science behind it, is part of it is having a good rest, because that is where you go to what they call a new normal. And it's so important that I've even got an entire chapter six just on how to plan your sleep routines extremely well so that all you have learned in the day is consolidated for a new you to come up. So anything else you want to ask me? I'd like to make one interesting point, Anthony. I went to the Toastmasters International Convention, which just got over. Okay. And for the first time, all three, the, the winner, the first runner-up and the second runner-up have all got engineering degrees. I don't know whether anyone else has noticed it or not. But I thought that has to be wow. an eye-opener for others that anyone says engineers can't speak, just go and watch the championship. That's interesting. Absolutely. Let me ask you this one last question before we end off here. We talked a lot about flow, which to me is fascinating and very important to your success personally and professionally. And my question for you is, can you give us an example of your own state of flow? Like, have you had it recently experienced it or maybe just, just so the listeners can get, maybe get an idea of what it feels like? Okay. Yes, I can actually give you two. I have a very clear recollection when I was in ninth grade in India and there was a very big gap, the whole culture of boarding school was very different so your seniors were they were like gods and your juniors were like nothing but I was playing soccer quite well so they called me to play with the 11th graders which was an extremely rare thing to happen I played like I have never played before I knew where everyone was and I never played like that again and you know for a short while I thought I was going to go into the first team but I was never able to recapture that and now as I look back, it's clear to me that I had somehow fallen into flow. You know, I was in a state of threat. I was really afraid. I couldn't afford to make mistakes. And it all came together. A second example is that to get into flow, there's a stage called struggle where there's a lot of stress chemicals. Intermediate phase where you have to relax very deliberately in a planned way, which is what all athletes do. They finish their practice and before the big game, they work hard to get into a zone. I call it for me a pre-speech relaxation techniques. And the more I do that, the more I find I can instantly forget everything that is happening in the world and focus entirely on my audience. Very simple. The highest correlation to a successful speech is how much I've gone into flow. And I'm getting more and more and more into it. Wow, that's excellent. So basically, 
it's not necessarily you can turn the flow on and off, but what you can try to do is you can try to put yourself in an atmosphere or a surrounding that will make it easier for you to get into flow, right? To drop into the zone. That's correct. Okay. Excellent. All right, Rashid, I want to thank you for spending some time here with us today. We're definitely going to link to uh, Rashid's website, necessarybridges.com, where you can check out his book and the other information that he has on there. Basically, when I saw that he had a book specifically focused on communication and public speaking for project managers and engineers, I knew that I had to interview Rashid. So Rashid, thanks again so much for spending the time with us. Thank you, Anthony. It's been a great pleasure. All right, now I'm going to jump into the Take Action Today segment of the show. And today I'm actually going to answer a question from one of our listeners. All right, I hope you enjoyed the interview with Rashid. Now it's time for our Take Action Today segment of the show. And in today's Take Action Today segment, I'm going to actually answer a question for you that I received recently on LinkedIn from one of our listeners. And it's pretty much something that's fundamental to everyone. It's based around sleep and how to improve your sleep. I've talked about this in in a previous episode, but I want to get into it today a little bit. But before I do, I'd like to just mention our sponsor for the show today. I get emails, LinkedIn messages all the time from listeners asking me what exam prep materials or review courses that they should use when they're preparing for the FEP or SE exam. Hands down, I always recommend PPI. If you plan to take your exam soon, We have a special promo code for our listeners. The promo code is COACH. You get 15% off your order at ppitopass.com forward slash coach. Again, that's PPI, the number two, pass.com forward slash coach and use the promo code COACH at checkout for a 15% discount on your order. PPI's mission is really simple. They want to help engineers pass the FE, PE, and SE exams and advance their careers. Obviously something that's very in line with the engineering career coach. Quality is paramount at PPI. In fact, it's the driving force behind everything they do. With best-selling exam review materials developed by PPI founder Michael Lindeberg and other experts in the industry, they have been the source and solution for passing the FE, PE, and SE exams for more than 40 years. To see how PPI can help you pass your exam and for special offers and discounts exclusive to our podcast listeners, visit ppitopass.com forward slash coach. All right. So what I want to talk about today is I had this LinkedIn message from an engineer saying, Anthony, one of the things I struggle with is my mind is always working and I can't go to sleep at night. It it troubles me because my mind's going hundred miles an hour and I can't really calm it down at night and I don't get a, a peaceful sleep that way. Do you have any tips for that? And I actually do have tips for that because the same thing happened to me. And what I'll say to that is two tips. One tip is to And I know I've mentioned this before on the show, but I got to stress it again, because if you don't have good sleep, you're pretty much dead in the water. I mean, you can't function, you can't be productive. So what you can do is read fiction, not self-help, not nonfiction, and sometimes even historical fiction can be tough, but read fiction, stories. I read some great ones that I've mentioned this year, the Beneath the Marble Sky, based around the Taj Mahal. If you're an engineer, you'll like that. But just read something that your mind can get lost in a story and then it's going to calm you down and then it's going to help you to go into that kind of deeper sleep. So that's one thing you could do. The second thing you could do is check out the book by Sean Stevenson called Sleep Smarter, 21 Proven Tips to Help Your Way to a Better Body, Better Health and Bigger Success. It's a wonderful read. It's a quick read, but it really lays out the tips specifically. And I'll give you one example that I did. 
that had a huge impact on me was I installed something on my computer that deadens the brightness at night because if you're looking into a computer right before you go to bed, your eyes are stimulated and it makes it difficult to go to sleep. The other thing that I did was, was just, especially in the winter, instead of putting on sweatshirts, sweatpants and going to bed bundled up, your body actually wants to be cooler at night. It helps it to go into the state of sleep. So I just go t-shirt now and that helps a lot. I'm actually cold when I'm getting into bed, but that's getting my body into a position for a better night's sleep. And just those couple of things has had a huge improvement for me. And then there's obviously there's 21 proven tips in the book, so you can go through them yourself. But this is like a fundamental thing, right? <laughs> sleep is where you get your energy for the day. You get prepared for the day. You repair from the day, the previous day. So take advantage of that. I hope you enjoyed the episode today with Rashid. Rashid and I would love your feedback, comments, or questions. The show notes for today's show will be at engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash Rashid, all lowercase R-A-S-H-I-D. The show notes will contain a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during the show. And again, that's engineeringcareercoach.com forward slash Rashid. And last thing I'll mention is if you are interested in coming down to New Orleans next May, to be a part of the Engineering Career Summit. We've got a dynamo lineup that we're just putting together here of speakers. We've got an opportunity for you as an attendee to do a short 10-minute talk. And if you want to improve your presentations, get up in front of people and talk. If you register, you'll have an opportunity to do that. We now have some early access tickets available at engineeringcareersummit.com. So check that out. And questions, you can always email me at anthony at engineeringcareercoach.com or you can email my co-host and partner, Christian, at chris at engineeringcareercoach.com. So I hope you take the tips here and get into the flow a bit in your workflow. And until next time, please continue to engineer your own success. Thank you for listening to the Engineering Career Coach podcast. Be sure to visit engineeringcareercoach.com where you can find all past episodes and also download a free three-part video series created specifically for engineers to help you best utilize LinkedIn for networking, improve your communication and speaking skills, and also to help develop your leadership abilities. Now is the time to engineer your own success.